0: Ninety-two point three FM. The following program is in English.
1: Thank you? To life, l'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim, to life, to life. You're tuned into to Lachaim to Life with your host Morris Klein, who just happens to be my baby brother.
2: Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, welcome to Lachaim, to life, Jewish life and more. And I have some breaking news which I received just before midday from Senator James Patterson who was our guest here on Lachaim late August. Dear Morris, I wanted you to be the first to know, today the Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews has acted on a recommendation of the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security and listed all of Hezbollah as a terrorist organisation. In doing so, Australia is sending a strong message alongside our friends and allies that we will not tolerate terrorism and that we will always defend our liberal democratic values. It also means that any Australian supporting Hezbollah could be committing a crime, a powerful deterrent that will make Australia safer. It is clear that all of Hezbollah is engaged in planning, preparation and advocacy of terrorist activities. And it's time all of Hezbollah bore the cost of their crimes, not just their so-called military wing. There's more, which is all explained in Senator Patterson's media release, which is on the Senator's Facebook page and which everyone should check out. Outstanding work, which took a long time in coming. Thank you and well done, Senator Patterson, who is all about freedom, democracy and sovereignty. And is a mensch. Okay, it's L'Chaim Showtime, folks, with three excellent guests here on 92.3 FM 3 Z. On with the show. The week before last, the Australian Jewish News ran an amazing front page story, Headline, The French Deserve It. I'd say absolutely they do, and a lot more. The headline was making the statement, Re-Australia Changing Its Mind on the submarine deal with France sensibly cancelling it. Little did, and does most of the world still know, the French had established a malicious precedent for such conduct with little young Israel over 50 years ago. The Viva la France, Dreyfus people, with a long history of hostility to Jews, did a vault face on the so-called close LA at the time and chose not to deliver five fully paid military boats to Israel. This it did around December 1968, when the French wanted to curry favour with the Arab world after Israel successfully responding to PLO terrorism in Beirut, which was not to the liking of the number one Frenchie, President Charlie de Gaulle, who ordered an arms embargo on Israel. The five boats were held by France, were the last of the 12-boat order, codenamed Autumn, which Israel had placed with the French and had paid for in full during the golden Franco-Israel relationship prior to Israel's 67 six-day war victory. Israel still desperately wanted the five boats in order to modernise its navy. So by way of a military operation that became known as the Cherbourg Project, code name Operation Noah, Israel decided to relieve the Frenchies of the five boats. I was riveted by the article in the AJN, in which AJN editor Zeddy Lawrence quotes Igor Shapir, chief engineer on one of the boats, and who later spent five years on Australia as JNF Shalir in New South Wales. Well, lo and behold, as it turns out, our Jeff Deacon here at L'Chaim has a good friend, Harold Ross, who is Igal's cousin. And joining us tonight on Lachaim is Igal Shapir. Igal, welcome to at uh, to life, Jewish life and more. Thank you for hosting me. Igal, the AJN article mentions that at the young age of 20, you were the chief engineer of one of the withheld boats at the time. How long had you been in the Navy and what were your responsibilities as chief engineer, which must have come with some rank?
0: Yeah, I have uh, graduated my naval officer's course just a year before then, the end of uh, 1968, and was serving on the missile boats which were already in Israel. Actually, I saw from the sea the airport of Beirut with about 20 civilian airplanes being on fire as a retaliation to what they did to our plane in Athens at that time. This was the cause actually for the goal to announce his embargo and uh yeah i was on board these uh, boats uh practicing and studying the the boats in order to become the chief engineer as you said on one of the boats
2: at the time of the embargo december 1968 the french had already delivered seven boats to israel i believe you go that even though the embargo was in place most fortunately the french continued to build the remaining five boats what a blessing When were you ordered to Cherbourg where the remaining boats were being built and how many other Israeli naval personnel were on the boat?
0: So I was sent to Friedrichshafen, Germany, to study the MTU diesel engines and over there while sitting in a session, we got a phone call from Israel sending me on a train to go to Cherbourg. I didn't know at that time for how long because it was under the embargo there. So I arrived at Cherbourg at the end of May 1969. When the 10th boat was launched in early early June 69, on board of uh, every such boat, we had two officers and about, I would say, 15 sailors doing the job then. And we got into a routine in Cherbourg, sailing from time to time, checking the systems from time to time and uh, eating French food, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Ego, uh, the embargo was in place.
2: Were you being watched
0: and monitored by the French? Not at all, actually. When the last the two boats uh, at the end of '68 left the arsenal, the naval French base, without getting a permission to leave the, this military base, the relations between French and Israeli navies were discontinued. And we were sent out of this naval base to the civilian open port. The sailors lived in a ho- small hotel. And we got uh, some apartments, the the officers, and we saw the boats out of our windows next to the ferry boat who went from Cherbourg to Portsmouth, England. So we were at the open uh, port in the middle of the city, actually. So we did not coordinate anything with nobody there. So this was an advantage then. Another blessing. Igal. the mission to bring the five boats to Israel took
2: place Christmas Eve, December 24, 1969. When we knew and the others on the boats advised of mission Operation Noah, which would entail leaving the port without French permission, and I read that 80 undercover Israeli Navy personnel joined the mission, when did they come
0: on board? What did they do? At the beginning of December, uh, we started uh, getting the information that after the 12th boat will be launched, we will try to leave. In Israel, the Navy started uh, sending uh, sailors and officers to Cherbourg in small groups so they will not be notified or or seen. And they prepared two ships and preparations were on the go during December until the 12th uh, boat was launched. So yeah, we were on board, Uh, we got on board, so we, we had about 25 sailors and officers on each of the five boats then.
2: In part, answered my next question. From the time all the crews received the mission orders, what were the necessary preparations? There must have been fueling considerations, food, water, etc. For what was uh, to be an eight-day trip? How was this done without raising suspicion?
0: So uh, the most important uh, preparation was based on Golda Meir, the Prime Minister then, who ordered the admirals and the generals of the IDF not to be thieves, so we did everything which was right in order to leave the port. As you may have uh, known before, there was contract signed between Israel, the government of Israel, and a Norwegian company. So actually the Norwegian company bought the five boats. The owner of the shipyard was very happy, so this problem will be solved. But we had a back-to-back contract so the boats will be delivered to Israel the day after they will leave France. The custom person with his uniform came on board and checked all the things which are leaving France and signed the document. Actually, on the morning of the 24th, what is very, very interesting is that the police of Cherbourg sent a letter to Paris saying that the boats are going to leave Cherbourg illegally but they uh, are sure that this is a fictitious uh, contact with the Norwegians and the boats will find their way to Israel. Fortunately for us, they went all to Christmas leave, you know, and the letter which arrived to uh, Paris was opened only on the 4th or 5th of January when we were already, already in Israel. So these were the preparations. Of course, every night the tankers would come to the pier and pour the fuel into the five uh, five boats. And what is also interesting that before going to Christmas to the holiday, the workers of the shipyards took their toolboxes out of the boats, saying, we may see you again after the holiday, but we, we may not, so we'd better take our toolboxes. Maybe they knew something. Logistics were done and they bought all the food necessary for seven, eight days of uh, sale. Yeah, all preparations were done.
2: Terrific. Igor, Come Christmas Eve, departure was delayed a number of times due to seriously bad weather. By way of coded messages from Israel, the order was to leave port and France regardless. Please take us through that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is accurate uh, to leave the port Uh, regardless. This is the the commanding officer which is, you know, on board and there who should decide. And Hadar Kim, he was sitting with the meteorologists uh, following the BBC reports about the weather. Actually, we wanted to leave about 10 o'clock at night. We couldn't. The storm uh, was too heavy. These small boats, and uh, you know, you have to understand, these are very, very small boats, 45 meters, 220 tons. And he continued uh, following the weather with the BBC reports until about 2 o'clock in the morning, the wind changed its direction. Then the waves will calm down when the wind will be against, you know, the gale. So until two o'clock in the morning we got the order to start the engines, and at two o'clock in the morning in the middle of the, of the town, 20 engines, big engines were, were you know, started. nobody came, the police didn't come, the neighbors didn't come, although you know it was very, very noisy, and we left uh, the port to the dark
2: Yegal, I believe the fleet of five boats hugged the coast of North Africa. How long into the mission did Israeli Air Force Phantom jets meet up with the boats uh, to escort them?
0: We didn't have uh, any escort uh, most of the way, only when we saw the F-4s, the Phantom planes above us, waving to us. And later on, when I was uh, a bit older, I came into an interview with Avi Binun. It was later on the, the chief of the Air Force. He told me that he was one of the pilots there waving to us, uh, welcome to Israel. Terrific. Yigal, as I indicated at the beginning of the
2: interview, Israel was very anxious to modernize its navy. Its fleet was old and outdated. Once in Israel, and celebration's over, the innocuous-looking patrol boats were converted to state-of-the-art missile launchers, missiles that the fledgling Israeli military industry had developed and which played a huge role in the October War, comfortably defeating the Soviet-backed Egyptian and Syrian missile-launching navies. The information about this lethal sea-to-sea missile encounters are amazing. Were you on board during the
0: 73 October war? Yes, I was on board of one of the boats, the Yom Kippur war. This is actually uh, the result of six or eight, actually maybe 10 years of efforts to modernize the Navy. Before then, I did have a chance to sail on the destroyers, the old destroyers, got the motions and the smell of these old, old ships, and you know, one of them, the Lat was sunk by uh, Russian missiles shot from the Port Said port. At that time, we knew already that our weapons, our systems, our ships are not modern enough to fight the Styx missile, the Russian missiles. And this was all ready for the Yom Kippur War. The Plan was to marry Israeli Gabriel missile with these fast patrol boats and prepare a strategy of naval warfare, which all flourished and all came to life in the Yom Kippur War. And then later on, these battles of you know between Israel and Egypt, Israel and the Syrian Navy, missiles shot from both sides. Their missiles were 50 kilometer range. Our missile was smaller, 20-kilometer range. They shoot first. We had electronically to wave these missiles and then shoot the missiles when closing the range. These battles were later on uh, studied by war colleges all over the world, by many navies. Yes, I, I was on board of these ships at the Yom Kippur War. How long did you stay in the Navy? That time at the Yom Kippur War, I was already t- studying at the Technion for my mechanical uh, engineering degree. And later on, uh, I got my uh, master's degree. I was allowed 25 years in the Navy. Wow. Igal, you were to JNF New South Wales
2: from 2010 2015. Well done. And I regards uh, from Ilana Mazel, CEO of JNF Victoria. Igal Shapir, thank you so much for joining us on Lachaim to Life with your wonderful insight into Operation Noah, the Cherberg Project. I would have loved to have asked you and heard about other missions, but I know that that is a no-no. And before we go, I have a message from your Ben Dodd cousin, Harold Ross. And the next time you come to visit and you visit Phillip Island Penguins, as Israelis do, stay there overnight. He said you'll know what that means. Igor Shapia, Chief Engineer, Cherberg Project, Operation Noah. You have been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for joining us
0: on Chaim. Hanukkah Sameach to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for hosting me. I am here in Ra'anana. You can always ask me any question about Israel. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Well, if you've got more stories, we'll have you back on. (laughs) Thank you, Hanukkah Sameach, to all of you. And, you know, start leaving Australia and tour the world. Okay. Tadarabha.
2: How interesting was that with Igor Shapir? I can't wait to hear more about Igor's missions next year. By the way, we should not forget that the Dreyfus Frenchies also reneged on the delivery of 50 Mirage jet fighters before the 1967 war. That's 100 sorties a day. Probably 150 to 200 sorties a day by today's standards. Anyway, the Frenchies lost a great customer in Israel... Who then teamed up with the US of A designing and making state of the art military equipment. What was that great beat of PF song? Non je ne regret rien. No regrets. Vive la
3: chagrin, mes plaisirs je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo balayer pour toujours je repars à zéro Yeah. Oh.
4: He understood we Jews must live in our land. For Israel News Talk Radio, I'm Mordechai Shanker. Funeral these hours for the man shot dead by a terrorist in Jerusalem a day ago, Eliyahu K, being laid to rest in the Haram Nuchot Cemetery. His brother Hanan K, telling of his brother's love for the land of Israel, that his brother made Aliyah to Israel six years ago from South Africa for very deep reasons, felt very connected to the country. It's so important for him to live and develop and serve here. Hanan very clear on Israel Hebrew language radio. By no means do we regret making Aliyah. Living here is not easy, sometimes dangerous. But Eli died as a warrior. He fell as a hero. He was killed as a proud Jew. That's the only way he would choose. The Arab attacker using a submachine gun to mow down passers-by... Eliyahu, the only person killed, one victim still in serious condition but now stable, sedated on a respirator after several surgeries, another victim in light and stable condition, a third wounded person was not so badly hurt. Local Arab news agency, WAFA, refusing to call it a terror attack, focusing on the terrorist falling in the path of Allah from the fire of Israeli forces, trying to make it sound as though he might not even have actually shot anybody, just that the Israeli police claim he did. Theoretically a suicide terrorist, we might expect to be unemployed, single, a young man, somehow in so bad a life situation he has nothing to lose. Not this guy, 42-year-old Fadi Abu Shahidam, married, sent his future widow safely away from their home. He had at least two jobs, one earning his salary from the Jerusalem municipality as a teacher of Islamic studies at a school run by Israel's education ministry. They use a Jordanian curriculum in the Muslim quarter of the old city, Also a preacher up on top of the Jewish Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, the rock upon which Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, according to the Bible, the Torah, his son Yishmael, according to later Muslim works. Internal Security Minister Omer Bar-Lev saying Abu Shahidam, known to be a member of the Hamas political branch, Israel's defense minister recently categorizing several Hamas nonprofit political groups as terrorist-supporting because of their alleged ties to Hamas terrorism. Ma'or Tzemach is the chairman of the Leich Yerushalayim movement, the go-to-Jerusalem movement, after the terrorist was defined by the Minister of Internal Security later as a member of Hamas's political arms, saying, here's a leader figure, a religious Hamas man spotted many times at riots in Sheikh Jarrah. This is a teacher for Islamic religious studies and therefore... Moor Tzemach saying, we need to examine how such an extremist Hamas member can be integrated into the education system, noting that he works at the Rashidia school where the terrorists taught. He says it's an Israeli school under the responsibility of Israel's ministry of education. Tzemach pointing out that perhaps unlike other people, He's not surprised that the terrorist is a leader at that school. In the past, we've revealed the PLO Arab organizations bypass the systems and go into classrooms, conveying messages in the education system. But I'm not surprised, he says, the education system is not sufficiently supervised in East Jerusalem, and these are the results. Jerusalem Arabs in the northern neighborhood Shuafat marching in honor of Hamas and of Abu Shahidam's successful religious experience murdering Eliyahu K and wounding three other Jews. For Hamas, it's an extra success because it also caused police to close the Jewish Temple Mount to Jews for a time. Hamas is all about ripping Jews away from the Temple Mount, even claiming Jews have nothing to do with it. Not just Hamas claims that, the PLO, too. They literally for decades been trying to remove any mention of the Jewish connection to Jewish holy sites, such as the Temple Mount, from the World Heritage List compiled by UNESCO— the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Israel and the U.S. quit UNESCO back in 2017 during Trump's time because it fosters so much anti-Israel basis. Now, slightly right-wing Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and his strong left-wing rotating co-Prime Minister Yair Lapid are reportedly talking today about rejoining UNESCO because the Biden administration keeps asking them to. I'm Mordecai Shankar, Israel News Talk Radio.
5: The News from Israel is courtesy of INTR, Israel News Talk Radio. Listen online to more straight talk from Israel at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Take it away, Murray. Swiss-born Frank Malul is a media personality and foreign affairs specialist. He studied law and also has degrees in international relations and negotiation. Among numerous French government appointments, Frank had various responsibilities, including disarmament, terrorism, the Middle East and the United Nations during the Iraq crisis. And in the early 2000s, participated in the Afghanistan-Pakistan negotiations at the Ministry of Foreign and European Affairs. Frank is the founder and CEO of the Israel-based international news channel, i24news which began broadcasting in July 2013.
1: It's
2: about hearing all the voices. It's about looking for all angles. It's about knowing the bigger picture. It's about telling the whole story. It's about time for I-24 News. I-24 News brings you world news from the heart of the Middle East. Three channels. Three languages.
6: Make you look at the world.
4: English, French, Arabic. 24 hours a day.
5: Shalom, I'm asking you to choose that future.
2: Uncompromising journalism with a fresh voice
0: and a fair perspective.
1: You have to constantly question your own position you
4: to try and challenge things people tend to take for granted. See Beyond the
1: Surface
3: real people behind the story. See beyond
1: the pictures. Questions that people haven't asked before. See beyond the headlines. You have to have your finger on the phone <laughs> to keep up with it. I'm looking for news. See beyond.
5: Welcome to Lechaim, Frank. Thank you, Moly. Frank, you were communications advisor to former French Prime Minister Dominique de Villepin, as well as a director of strategy, research and international business development at the state-owned French company that oversees the activities of the major public media organisations broadcasting internationally from France. What was it about the way international television channels were presenting Israel to the world that led you to consider establishing an Israeli international news service?
6: So, uh, first of all, I would like to thank you to welcome me on your show. It's a, it's a big pleasure and, a, and for me a, a huge achievement for I-24 News to, to be broadcast now in Australia. So you are my first interview in the region and I'm, I'm very pleased to be with you uh, today. To answer your question, you know, I was working for the French government and uh, developing the French soft power since uh, Jacques Chirac asked me to be part of the team to launch France 24 after President Sarkozy wanted to do something bigger and he organized a huge umbrella with all the french international broadcast and part of my job as an executive vp of strategy was to merge all this media and also to develop a new strategy and a new storytelling in the world about the french values and the french foreign policy and one day i got a call from a guy that i just heard about him i know he was a tycoon in the, in the cable networks the name is patrick Drahi. And he said he wanted to have a coffee with me. It was in October 2012. And uh, I met him in Paris. I thought he wanted to speak about distribution of France 24 in his cable networks. And after two minutes, he started straight to the point and told me, look, I would like to launch something big in Israel. In the heart of the Middle East, I like what you did with France 24. I want to have you with me on board to develop exactly the same thing, but this time to show another reality because I'm totally fed up with the coverage about Middle East and especially when things are happening in Israel. It told me I was just a few weeks ago on the beach in Tel Aviv. And for the first time of my life, I start to see rockets arriving uh, on the beach. I tried to find a place to hide myself. I came back home, I started immediately to open TV show, and I was watching, because it was a French speaker, the French international news TV or French national TV, and no one was talking about the attack on Tel Aviv, but everybody was talking about the bombing in Gaza. And he said, this is not fair, this is not the reality I'm feeling when I'm in Israel, when I'm walking on the streets of Tel Aviv, and I see Muslim and Jewish crossing each other in peace, and uh, I need you to, to come with me and to join me to build a new international network for the region, to connect Israel to the world and to connect the world to the reality uh, of Israel. I was quite surprised by the offer and I, it took me one month to resign for the French government. Uh, I did my aliyah at the end of December 2012 with my wife and my two young children. And I found a place in uh, Jaffa because I always said to Patrick Drahi, my vision is to have a big newsroom. Because if people think that peace is not possible, it's because of the media. Because the perception is coming from the media. And if you want to build something different, and if you want to show the reality, your keyword and the DNA of the channel will be coexistence. And if you are watching Al Jazeera, for example, or visiting Al Jazeera, you have one campus for the Arabic channel, and you have another campus for the English network. If you go to France 24, that was one of our biggest mistakes. We put the French and the English together and the Arabic in another place. Mm-hmm. If you go to BBC, you have a huge building. Every single floor is another language. If you go to America, Voice of America is in Washington, but the Arabic version of al Khura is in Virginia. <laughs> so I said me, I want that the only place you have French speaking, Arabic speaking, and English-speaking together are in Israel. And uh, when I told that to Patrick Drahi, he told me, Frank, good luck to find a big building in Tel Aviv. And one day he came uh, on bicycle in uh, Jaffa Port and he found an amazing building. It was a huge hangar, empty hangar. We asked to visit the place. There was a tender. So you can imagine when you are arriving from France and we are telling you in the heart of the Middle East, there is a tender. So you start to panic. You say, okay, I don't know how I will deal with that. And finally, uh, God was with us and we won the tender one month after, in the middle of February. We got the keys the 1st of March. We started to build the 15th of March, 2013. And we launched 100 days after the free networks of I-24 News in Jaffa Port, in French, English, and Arabic.
5: It's an amazing story. (laughs) There needs to be a book written about it, I think.
6: (laughs) I don't have time.
5: (laughs) How do you see I-24 News' future in relation to the recent signing of the Abraham Accords?
6: So, you know, people were amazed by the Abraham Accords, and uh, especially to see on Israeli TV, the Israeli host of the 8pm show, co-hosting the show with a journalist from Dubai. But... That's the reality of i24 News since day one. We are, as I said, showing the coexistence inside Israel, but we are also showing the coexistence in the Middle East. And with our Arabic network, every night, we, since the, the launch of the channel, we have a debate, daily debate with Israeli and Palestinian. Uh, and this is unique because if you are watching the biggest network in the world they are not organizing debate. They are giving the opportunity to someone to speak from a small studio in Jerusalem. And after you have a round table with specialists and Palestinians explaining the Arab-Israeli conflict. Here in Israel, you are giving the floor to all the parties and uh, to all the actors of the conflict. You have even people from Hamas or people from Hezbollah joining our debates on I-24. So what happened really when the Abraham Accord arrived? Naturally, I-24 News became the platform of the new Middle East. And this is the reason why we became the first Israeli based channel to have a partnership with Arabic Media. I signed few months after the signature of the Brahma call, a partnership with Abu Dhabi Media, which is the biggest platform in the Gulf. Right after I signed another agreement with Dubai Media, which is very powerful in the region, as you know, and we were the first Israeli-based channel to be broadcast on a cable network. In Arabic, we are on Etisalat, which is the biggest Arabic cable network in the region. And we are also on Du, with the competitor. That means we have 100% broadcast uh, availability in the region. And uh, also, we are the first Israeli-based channel to open a bureau in an Arabic country because I'm happy to tell you that since one month, uh, we inaugurate the first uh, bureau of I-24 News with a live studio position uh, in Dubai, in the Media City. So just for the record, it took me five years to be broadcast in Israel. It took me eight years to be broadcast in Australia. It took me 10 minutes to be broadcast (laughs) in Dubai. So it's showing you the, the new reality of the Middle East and the power and the impact of I-24 News in the region, because these countries recognize our network as the place to come and to share their point of view, their values, and also to understand each other. And this is something unique, because you used to have, as I said before, debates between Israeli and Palestinian every night. But now there is a game changer since the Abraham Accord, because... You can see that the Palestinians are not anymore fighting with Israelis. No, they are fighting with people from the Gulf. And I can tell you that the debate between them are more trash than between Israelis and Palestinians. And this is something unique, but also showing that was the dream of Patrick Drahi when uh, he asked me to join this project to launch an international network. But when the day of peace will happen, this network will be in front line to show the new reality. People don't know abroad what are the Abraham Accords. People don't believe abroad about what are the Abraham Accords. I-24 News is here to show this reality, to show that it's not a paper signed at the White House. But there are a lot of deals in the business. There are a lot of connection people to people. And usually a media is monitoring what's going on in an area. I decided strategically to be part of the Abraham Accord, to be part of that dynamic and to become an actor of this new region. Because, as I said before, the perception is the most important. The media are giving the perception. And if I24 News can give the perception and to call, and I'm using the opportunity to launch a call uh, to the international media and to tell them, guys, stop to focus only on the conflict. Yeah. You have to, of course, but move your camera also on the part which is growing now in the new Middle East, which are the Abraham Accords, and this is the new reality that I-24 News is showing every day.
5: Uh, you did mention that you are now beaming into Australia because you've joined the suite of major international television news services on the recently launched Foxtel Flash platform, which offers live and on-demand news in Australia. Will that channel be providing current affairs in addition to the news? And will there be a content specifically for an Australian audience?
6: I have to say uh, we wanted to broadcast in Australia since a long time because a lot of people were asking us to, to be part of it. Of course, you can watch I-24 News all over the world on OTT platform, on digital yeah. But on the cable, it was not possible. And I met Albert Adon in Australia a few years ago. And he told me, Frank, I want to help you. It's, um, it's a shame that we cannot watch you because you are doing so much good things about the coexistence. It will change a lot of perception inside Australia. So he started to connect me with people. And things start to happen since uh, Corona time. We started with a partnership with Sky News Australia because we wanted to know how it's going on in Israel with the corona because, you know, we were a lot of involved in the, in the lockdown and everything and the vaccination. And as I said, I24 News is the channel of the diversity. So I have also uh, some very good and strong Australian journalists uh, inside the newsroom. So it was good to use their accent. But I don't understand every day, but you can understand our cooperation and partnership with, uh, with Sky News. And after there was the war, the war between Israel and Hamas. And that was a good test because we started to have also a lot of requests from Australian media and especially uh, Sky News Australia. And I had the discussion with, uh, with the CEO and, uh, and I told him, look, we need to find a way. And he said, I have an idea. We are launching a, a very uh, strong platform uh, with uh, news streaming. And uh, I think you really deserve to be part of it. And we want to have you uh, for the launch. And we worked hard with the team here to connect with the fibers and everything because the uh, satellites, it's not an easy issue in, uh, on your region. And I'm very glad that we are part of this flash offer because again, I'm not targeting to influence the uh, Australian market with what's going on in Australia. I'm trying to connect Australia to the reality of the region and to show that if you start to be more focused on the culture of the people, on the behavior of the people, on the business side, you will find more similarities between Israelis and Australians. But if you are only connected to the Arab-Israeli conflict.
5: Well, it's certainly a good news story, that's for sure. Just finally, the modern media landscape includes social media platforms such as Facebook. According to the Pew Research Centre, almost half of Americans use social media as a news source. With such platforms also being major sources and disseminators of anti-Semitism, conspiracy theories and pseudoscience, What are the challenges that you see ahead for traditional news providers such as I24 News?
6: I think uh, social media is a nightmare. It's not easy for us to manage this. It's a nightmare for two reasons. First, everybody wants to be on social media. Every journalist of the network, it's not especially in I24 News, it's all the network, they want to show their face on social media. So they are posting, 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 posting. So it's difficult to have a global strategy. More seriously, I'm telling the journalists, and this is what we are doing in I-24, especially in this region, to triple check when you are taking information on Twitter or Facebook or another social network. Why? Because it's going very fast. Sometimes you can just copy past and, and fall in an ambush, and it happens. It will still happen, even you are very focused on that, because that's, that's the game. And people want to be the first one and say, ah, I saw this, I saw that. So you don't check to the source anymore because you don't have time. You said, OK, if Wall Street Journal post it, it's true. No, because it was exactly the same storytelling for Middle East. If Agence France Presse is talking about the Palestinian country or Palestinian issues, this is true. We are copy pasting. This is the problem of the Middle East. Many, many journalists, and I saw that when I was in France 24, start to copy past Al Jazeera because it's Al Jazeera. The power of the brand is enough to tell you the truth about what's going on the ground. But that said, our strategy on social media, is to provide content. Stories, 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 stories. And we are hiring a lot of young people, French speaking, English speaking, and especially Arabic speaking explaining in Arabic, what is an Arab-Israeli? What is the connection between the Arab-Israelis and the Palestinians? What is for them to have Nord-Abraham Accords in the region? And you know, when you have a video of the BDS on one side, attacking, 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 attacking. And on the other side, a video of twenty four News in Arabic, from an Arabic guy, not a Jew speaking Arabic, yeah. from an Arabic guy and telling them, look, I was born here. I grew up here. This is my life. Don't listen to the others. See behind me. This is the reality. So this is the way for us to use social media and to influence the storytelling inside the Middle East because we are posting fresh and original content.
5: Mm. Well, thank you for that. Frank Malul, founder and CEO of i24 News, the Israeli international 24-hour news and current affairs television station now available in Australia on the new Flash News streaming service. Go to flashnews.com.au to find out how you too can watch i24 News on your TV and mobile devices. Thank you so much for describing the history of this important service and for providing our listeners with insight into the future offered by the Abrahams Accords and the Foxtel Flash platform in Australia. Very much appreciated and uh, bon chance and uh, mazel tov and all the best for the future. Thank you.
6: Thank you, thank you, Morrie. I really appreciate to be with you today.
5: I-24 News,
2: Israeli international 24 hours news and current affairs television, taking on the world's dishonest fake news media. Outstanding. I love it. Well done, Morrie. Coming up to that time of the year again, Hanukkah time, the Festival of Light, commencing each year on the 25th of Kislev, according to the Hebrew calendar, which occurs any time from late November to late December in the Gregorian calendar. Well, the 25th of Kislev is this Sunday, November 28th. And as it did last year, Hanukkah is going to be happening in Federation Square in this city. And joining us tonight to tell us all about Pillars of Light, a multicultural celebration of Hanukkah, is the Ark Centre's Rabbi Gabby Kultman. Rabbi Kaltman, welcome to Lachaim, to life, Jewish life and more. Shalom, Morris. Uh, thank you for having me. Rabbi Kaltman, what is the Hanukkah Pillars
7: of Light in the Federation Square all about? Well, we know the message of Hanukkah is a little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. And for the second year in a row, we are putting on a big show in Federation Square, Pillars of Light, which is a celebration for all Melbournians, for all communities Of Hanukkah. It's an opportunity for us all to come together over this multicultural celebration, focusing on what unites us as a city and really rebooting and getting Melbourne back to where we were pre pandemic. Now, each evening will feature a bespoke program that highlights the core percepts of connection and collaboration through guest speakers, dignitaries, and artistic performers, cultural groups, faith leaders, sporting icons, and much, much more. You'll have to check our website, which is fedsquare.com forward slash pillars of light to get the entire lineup. And each night has different members of faith and cultural communities and celebrities, dignitaries joining us to light the 12-foot menorah with live fire. Now, Morris, this year we're very, very lucky because we have now Live Nation Australia's premier music promoters, have partnered with Pillars of Light. So we've got some really great young and -and up-and-coming artists, performers that will be sharing the stage with the menorah and all our guests that will be speaking and emceeing throughout the eight days of Hanukkah. On the Monday evening of Hanukkah, we're partnering with the AFL. So we've got footy players and AFLW players joining us. We've got Melbourneian of the Year and President of the Richmond Football Club, Peggy O'Neill, joining us, which is very exciting. And throughout the day of Hanukkah, ARC Centre has, and myself, have teamed up with Immigration Museum, and we are going to bring schools from across Melbourne to the Immigration Museum for a workshop, and then to Fed Square to run workshops and speak to these young students about ways to combat racism. So we've got the partying and the communities gathering at night, really a celebration of Hanukkah, but what makes Victoria special, which is the incredible multicultural element to it, which is so special and important. And that's what we're doing in the evening, but during the day, we are going to be giving skills and teaching and educating the next generation to call out racism and discrimination when they see it. And that's really a big shout-out and thank you to the Museum who have partnered with us to do to do this. So, Morris, I hope one night you'll come with your listeners and their families, and it doesn't matter which night, best to book if you go to fedsquare.com forward slash Pillars of Light, you should be able to book a ticket and you can come any night. There's just so much to do, so much to see and you also, if you go to that website, you'll be able to see the full breadth of what Pillars of Light is all about. And I'm just reminding myself on the Thursday, the 2nd of December, so the Ark Centre is teaming up with East Melbourne Hebrew Congregation, Rabbi Dolly Kutnik, which is the city shul. And we will be doing something together on that right. theme of that evening, is connection. So I look forward to seeing you and your listeners at Pillars of Light. I wish everybody a Chanukah Sameach. Of course, there will be sufganiyot and other delicacies that people will be able to have a, have a, have a manshon when they join us at Fed Square. Happy Chanukah, Morris. And I want to wish a special L'Chaim and happy Chanukah to all the L'Chaim, two life listeners. And I look forward to seeing you at Pillars of Light that's Square, outstanding
2: uh we'll have you back next year with all the great work from arc center to everyone and uh, let's hope that we get a big turnout and it was a full page ad in last week's jewish news all the information's there as well thank you rabbi Coltman. stay well Shalom, shalom.
8: Hanukkah, hanukkah, kaionte fa schener, a lustiger Freiligarniton och a seiner, alle nacht in Redel spiel mir, so die Keselatjes essen mir Geschwinder, sind kinder, die hanige licht. Lom mir alle singen, lom mir alle springen und lom mir alle tanzen in kol. Lo mirale singen, lo springen, lo mirale tanzen in corn. Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the hora. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. Dreadles to play with, a lap kiss to eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning, low. One for each night, they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night, they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Ye mea chanukah, chanukat migdashenu, vigilu vesimcha, memalim et libenu, lahila veyon svivonenu, yisov, suhuganiyot, nochal bamla rov, ay iru, adliku, ne rot chanukara habim, al hanisim ve alaniflav, asher choleluha makabim. One for each night, they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night, they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago.
2: for headlines from tomorrow's Australian Jewish News, the voice of Australia's Jewish community. Newsweek. Calls for total ban on Hamas as Australian Jews mourn L.E.K. Canberra proscribes Hezbollah in entirety. Rabbi Lazaro steps down amid two plagiarism investigations. Green slammed for opposing IHRA definition. Police probe poster of Hitler slur. BDS protesters target Israeli film at jam factory. UK prays for Hamas ban. Egged drivers home after Turkey prison ordeal. Holocaust academic rejects prestigious Polish prize. Looted Van Gogh fetches record price at auction to read more coverage of local, federal and international news, opinion, arts, lifestyle and sport, pick up your copy of The Australian Jewish News from news agents and supermarkets in southeast of Melbourne or for weekly home delivery, subscribe at subscribe.jewishnews.net.au. Have you
1: heard the news? What did it say?
2: Okay, that's it for another full L'Chaim with three excellent guests, if I don't say so myself. I think we've established a very nice solid pattern here at L'Chaim. Mind you, our radio tour guide Effie Kobe was missing in action once again tonight, and for good reasons. Effie was out again doing what he does best, being a great ambassador for Israel with his knowledgeable, entertaining tour guiding. As we all know by now, and was mentioned in tonight's AJN headlines that I read out tonight, the Jewish world has lost another beautiful soul in Jerusalem to Jew-hating Hamas terrorism. Twenty-six-year-old South African-born Eli K, who spent some time here in Australia studying at Yeshiva, Eli made Aliyah and was a lone soldier. Thousands attended the funeral in Jerusalem. Eli K Baruch Dayan HaEmet of blessed memory. This Sunday, November 28th, the Aravar Australia Partnership and Habayit present a decade of desert films from the Aravar International Film Festival. This is an exclusive and free online event from the comfort of your own home. The evening will feature a conversation with Ayal Shirai, director of the Aravar International Film Festival. It will also feature two new short films from Shorts in the Desert and interviews with their respective directors, along with a screening of an older but brilliant short film entitled Dripping Desert by Roman Krutner. Once again, Sunday, November 28th at 7.30pm Australian time, 10.30am Israel time. Bookings are essential and all the information is on the Aravar and ZFA's Facebook page. Please check it out. I'll be joining. And I should mention, Maria Ben-David in the ZFA's Israel office had an event last week for 5060 Aussie Olim down in the Arava, which our Effi Jacobi assisted with, and was a great success. The photo on the ZFA's Facebook page says it all. Now, Australian Jewish Association time. Their Zoom guest tonight, preceding Lachaim, was Michael Myerson, who has an encyclopedic knowledge of Jewish sporting achievement. The discussion was, are Jews really no good at sport? I can't wait to check it out. And next week's AJA Zoom guest is Ruthie Bloom, former editor of the Jerusalem Post, discussing the US Democrats' abandonment of Israel, which should be very interesting. And all the information is on the AJA Facebook page. By the way, check out the hilarious Israeli hit comedy series is now screening exclusively on High Flix. Critically acclaimed and a ratings hit comedy, check out follows the hilarious antics of a diverse cast of customers and staff of a struggling Israeli supermarket. And yes, it is with English subtitles. Check it out on High Flix. Right, you'll find in about 15 minutes to half an hour a recording of tonight's Lohayan program at three ZZZ. Dot com dot au Click on the down arrow in the Listen to a Show square and scroll down to the Jewish Group. You'll find it there. Links to YouTube recordings of tonight's interviews will be posted to the Lachaim and Morris Klein Facebook pages tomorrow. Lachaim podcasts are also available at JWire, Digital Jewish News Daily for Australia and New Zealand. Please check out the other two programs that make up the Jewish Group here at Three Triple Z. The Hebrew hour, Shabbat Shalom, 3 p.m. on Friday, and the Yiddish hour, 11 a.m. on Sunday. If you'd like to contact us here at Lachaim, our email is LCHAIM3ZZZ at gmail.com. For only sixteen dollars, please consider becoming a member of the Jewish group here at 3 zzz And for seniors, it's just eleven dollars. Again, click on 3ZZZ.com.au. Many thanks again to team Lachaim. Dr. George Banke, the executive producer, Dr. Morrie Frankel, and Jeff Deegan. As we know, it's Hanukkah this Sunday. Rabbi Kultman's Pillars of Light is happening in Fed Square, and menorahs large and small will be lit all over our Jewish community and the Jewish world. The fabulous John Fogarty with Creedence Clearwater Revival certainly got it right years back with their song, Long As I Can See the Light. Tell me the world doesn't need more light to dispel the hateful darkness everywhere. So thank you for tuning in and please join us again next week on Lakhaim. My name is Morris Klein. I'm Yisrael Chai and peace.